your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to this Wednesday afternoon edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week. I think I'm actually going to be doing something tomorrow right after the game around 9.30, 10 o'clock to get on the action. Talk about Game 3. Locker Room changing the way we talk sports. So... Pittsburgh Penguins, it is a series now, everyone, as the Penguins get a 2-1 victory over the New York Islanders last night. A huge bounce-back performance, especially from Tristan Jari and the team overall. We're going to get all into it for today's episode. Like I said, the series is now tied 1-1 as it shifts towards the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Uniondale, New York. Um, that was hopefully the last time, one of the last times that I get to say that as the Islanders will be getting their new arena next season. But let's just get into it. A great performance, I thought, from Pittsburgh. They came out firing right out of the gate in the first period. That first goal past Semyon Varlamov looked a lot like um, Rusan Fedotenko's one, I think, from Game 3 or Game 4 from 2009. Mike Darnay, credit to him for pointing that out. He had the uh, side-by-side comparison in a tweet this morning. I retweeted it on my Twitter. Go check it out. Um, it is very, very similar. I don't really know what Varlamov was doing there. I guess he just missed it with his glove. But it looked very, very similar to what happened. And of course, you know, who else but Brian Russ to open the scoring in Game 2? I know a lot of people call him Mr. Elimination because, I mean, let's face it, he has had a lot of big eliminating goals against other teams in years past in the playoffs, but I honestly might just call him Big Game Brian because whenever there is a big game in the playoffs for the Penguins, Russ is always right there when needed, and he got that huge goal to open up the scoring last night. Then Jeff Carter, a few moments later, scores his first playoff goal with the Penguins and his first playoff goal. Um, in a few years since, you know, the Kings have just been so bad. And again, the Jeff Carter trade is continuing to look more and more awesome as the days go on. And I even tweeted this last night. You couldn't keep that McCann-Carter duo quiet forever. That pass by McCann to get it to Carter, I think it was on his backhand, um, through the middle of the ice was just so beautiful. Carter, so patient with the puck, was able to wait out Varwama a bit, got him out of position, went 5-0, makes it 2-0, and the crowd was just going crazy. And shout-out to everyone that was at PBJ Paints Arena last night. If you were one of the lucky 9,000 people that were there, I think Alan T. Yoder sent me in a video of him at the game last night. Um, thank you for making all that noise. It sounded like from what I was watching it on TV that there was about 18,000 people there. So kudos to that entire crowd. It looked like Mellon Arena, I thought, at times, and they really brought it in. You know, it's definitely going to be the same at the Coliseum on Thursday and Saturday, but, you know, the crowd really got behind the Penguins when they needed it the most, and especially with Tristan Jari. I wanted to touch on that as well. Whenever Jari made a couple saves in a row or just some big saves, you would really hear them pop. I heard a few Jari, Jari chants. That's exactly what he needed, especially coming off a really bad game one from him. And that, I think, gave him a lot more confidence as the game went on. And I guess I'll just touch a little bit more on Tristan Jari here. Um, just a great bounce back from him. 37 saves on 38 shots was what, 950, almost 960 for that entire game. That is the Tristan Jari that we saw most times down the stretch of this regular season. You know, people are going to call him washed or, you know, he's so bad all the time and whatnot. Don't listen to these people. I was watching this live stream last night 
um, kind of like during the game a little bit or right after, you know, someone was basically talking about like, well, you know, he was just flopping in his net the entire time. I don't really know what he's doing. And it's just like, did we watch the same game? I mean, I thought he looked confident in net. He looked poised. Maybe he could have been a little further out on that Josh Bailey goal, but that was also a hell of a backhand shot by Bailey. And I honestly blame that goal on just the, the Carter line and everyone else not getting the puck out there. But overall, made some really ginormous saves. I think the Islanders had... 12 high danger chances for the game. If I go to Statrick right now, actually at 5v5, the Islanders had 14 high danger chances for, and Jari was able to save 13 of those 14 because I think the Bailey goal came in a high danger area. Um, so great stuff from Jari. If he continues to play like that, or if he even just gives them average goaltending, as I have said from the very beginning, the Penguins will win this series. That is all they need to have, and it was great to see Jari come out and play magnificently last night. That was one of his best starts of the season. He's going to have to continue to do that, as I just said, going into Game 3 in a hostile environment that is the Nassau Coliseum. But overall, though, um, if you just go period by period on natural statric, you know, it mostly matches up to the ice test. The Penguins came out blitzing the Islanders in the first period, had 65% of the shot attempts, 57% of the scoring chances for. They they were in a huge shoot-first mentality in that first period, firing everything at Varlamov. And why wouldn't they? I mean, Varlamov's been out for about a week now. He's coming back from, I think it was a knee injury or a hip injury, something like that. I'll have to check what Arthur Staple said. I think it was definitely a lower body injury, though. But they were testing him early on. And why wouldn't you? You had two goals early on him in the game's first 13, 14 minutes. Maybe it was going to continue. I mean, it obviously didn't because Varlamov really settled in and made some huge saves in the third period. But that was a great game plan by the Penguins to fire everything on net. I don't really know why it got away from them in the second period in the third when they're just like passing out these shooting opportunities on two-on-ones. I'm going to touch on that a little bit later. But it was really nice to see that shoot-first mentality, which they haven't had at times during the season. But they crushed them in that first period. The only place that they didn't kill them, though, was the high danger of chances. The Islanders actually had seven high danger chances in that first period and then only had seven high danger chances combined in the last 40 minutes. So Pittsburgh definitely tightened up in those high danger areas for the last 40 minutes. Um, they were just maybe a little too loose um, playing in the defensive zone. But still, that period was mostly very good, I thought. From Pittsburgh, the second period though, um, they only had 39% of the shot attempts, only 42% of the scoring chances. You you knew the Islanders were not going to back down. I kept seeing you know these weird takes on Penguins Twitter, like, well you know why is the Penguins play dipping a little bit? It's like guys, of course when a team is going to get punched in the mouth repeatedly in a period, they're going to come out with a little bit of vengeance in the second period and show that that's not going to continue for the next game. We've seen that time and time again from the Penguins this season where they've been punched in the mouth. And they've come out in the second and third period and really punched the other team in the mouth. That's exactly what the Islanders did. You know, this is a team that went to the conference finals last year, for Christ's sake. They were two wins away from going to their first Stanley Cup final in, what, over 30 years or something like that? So, yeah, of course they were going to come out a little pissed off in the second period. That's exactly what they did. They got the lone goal in that period from Josh Bailey. I just didn't like the defensive zone coverage there. I'm not going to blame that on Tristan Jari. He, he did all he could there. Like I said, maybe he could have come out a little bit and not be too deep in his crease. But I do think that, you know, Jeff Carter got walked there. He, he got, he's got to play the puck there and not the man. And then I think there was a failed attempt, a clear there. It was either from CeCe or Matheson, if I remember correctly. Um, you got to get the puck out there. I mean, that, that's just inexcusable. Um, they were able to get to the intermission, though, and regroup. And what a third period this team had. This was the biggest period of 
the Penguins season. You know, in years past, in 2016 and 2017, this would be, you know, when they would be holding a lead going into the third period, you would know they were going to win just because you look at Mike Sullivan's record after um, two periods with a lead. It was basically like, what, 19-0-1 and and or something like that for the longest period of time. It slipped a bit these last few years, but the Penguins needed that killer instinct from 2016 and 2017 to show up, and it did just that and then some. In the third period, they had 64% of the shot attempts, 66% of the scoring chances scored. The Islanders only had two high-danger chances in that third period and only five scoring chances overall in that third period. So great defensive effort by the Pittsburgh Penguins. I honestly thought it was their best defensive effort of the season. Fully committed to team defense. The Islanders really had maybe one to two good chances during that period, and Jari shut both of them down. Other than that, um, the Penguins really shut down the Islanders. And that's the thing, everyone. The Islanders are not built to come from behind in games. You get them out, it put them in a two-goal deficit or something like that, it is very hard for them to come back. It's honestly a little bit like shades of the 2017 Ottawa Senators because they don't play an offensive brand of hockey. They're a defensive first team. So if you can get the lead on them, especially a multi-goal lead, you're forcing them to change their play style. And especially in the third period, they're just not built to come from behind like that. I know it was a one-goal deficit, but they're just not built to do it. And the biggest difference in that third period as well was that the Penguins got really good goaltending from Tristan Jari and there weren't any howlers that went in the back of the net as opposed to game one but overall tremendous performance from the penguins it's exactly what you want to see it is a series now it's going to be a dog fight for the next five games it's a best of five next game game three in the coliseum thursday at 7 p.m before saturday will be game four at the coliseum i believe that is a 3 p.m start i have a lot more to get to when it comes to this game in the next segment including how the penguins have really shut down matt barzell and jordan eberle to date Knock on wood as I'm knocking on my uh, bed right now. And yes, we do have some Brandon Tanev talk to come as well. But with that being said, we touched on it a little earlier before the episode got started. It's time to talk about Locker Room. Again, it's the perfect place to start or join conversations around the league. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news and rumors. You will have a chance to chat with me and might even have a chance to be featured on the Locked on Penguins podcast throughout our Locker Room conversations. Be sure to join me this week. Tomorrow night, I'll be hosting a room around 9.30, 10 o'clock. Eastern time right after the game. Hopefully it's a win so we can be happy about it and I don't have to be pissed off. Go download the free Locker Room app right now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NHL group for the latest league updates. Follow me at Hunter Hoodies to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. See you there. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. We also cannot forget about Bilt Bar. It has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor. When you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Bilt Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. I've touched on a lot of these flavors before. Mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, which is my personal favorite, double chocolate, salted caramel, raspberry. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Most of them have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar and only 4 grams of net carbs. A couple of the others have 18 grams of protein, just 180 calories, just 5 grams of sugar and just 5 grams of net carbs. You can go to BillBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BillBar.com. 
All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. All the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Um, let's just get into um, how well the Penguins have played against Matt Barzell in this series. I don't know if he's not 100%. Uh, I don't think he's hurt. There wasn't really talks of him being hurt coming into this series, but this has not been the same Matt Barzell that we have seen for most of the season with the Islanders. Um, and Danny Shari Irving of Penn's blog, who you know is that fake blogger boy as Mark Madden called him the other day. No, I'm just messing around. Danny does incredible work and he basically gets a daily shout out on this podcast. Um, he talked about how well the Penguins have played defensively against the Barzell line uh, through the two games. Obviously, it's a very small sample size, but this is how good it has been. So when he's on the ice, the Penguins are controlling 60% of the shot attempts, 65% of the expected goals, and 70% of the scoring chances. And oh yeah, everyone, Barzell does not have a singular point in this series, I don't think. They have really limited him through these first two games. It obviously may very well change as the series shifts to Long Island. You know, maybe he'll get a bit more juice in his game now that he's playing at home. But they, I think that they, Mike Sullivan has been deploying one of two lines against Barzell. Either the Ashton Reese Blue Retainer line, which is eating that matchup alive, and they're also the best defensive line on the team, or he's been deploying the Crosby Gensel Rush line out against the Barzell line, and they're just not getting any chances. Even noted Penguin killer Jordan Eberly looks a little bit lost through two games. Again, knock on wood, usually Jordan Eberly scores 600 goals against the Penguins every time they play, but through two games, at least for now, he has been relatively quiet. I don't expect that to stay um, that way for long, but it has been a great job by the Penguins to really limit the offensive production from Barzell and everybody. As I said, they, I don't think they have a singular point in this series just yet. And, you know, just to touch on the Ashton Reese blue retain line for just a second, I don't know if you all caught this last night uh, from Pierre Maguire, who always embarrasses himself on national TV. I cannot wait till these playoffs are over, so we don't have to hear from him for quite a while. So the Penguins are defending the lead with two minutes left, obviously a 2-1 game. And Pierre goes, there's no analytic equation for the Penguins putting the Ashton Reese blue retain line out there with two minutes to go to defend the lead. And it's like Pierre... I don't know if you knew this. I mean, he probably doesn't because he just doesn't give a shit about analytics. He doesn't care to learn something new. But the Ashton Reese Bluger Tanev line is their best defensive line on the team. I mean, what are we doing here? It's one of the best defensive lines in hockey. I mean, Jay Fresh also called him out. I think numerous people in the analytics community called him out. And it's like, I don't understand why Pierre just has to take these shots at analytics when it, it seems like he has a, a good eye test for some of these players, but he doesn't realize that they also have really good underlying numbers and that, you know, just he just hates analytics so much that he can't admit to it. I really don't understand it, but there was just no need to say that. I mean, everyone knows how good of a defensive player Zach Aston Reese is. I mean, Brandon Tanev since coming back has really helped that line as well. We all know how great Teddy Bluger has been this season, but that is exactly what Mike Sullivan has done all season long here. If you have watched every single Pittsburgh Penguins game, as I have, as a lot of you, as the listeners have, you have seen Sullivan time and time again when all three of those players are healthy, which obviously was not very often this season, but when they were, he would throw them to the wolves in every late game situation and almost every time they would prevail. So Pierre, this is not a new thing that Mike Sullivan decided to do. He has been doing this all season long, and that line is one of the best defensive lines in the league, and I'm really hoping people, notably I 
Islanders fans are rethinking their notion that, oh yeah, we have the best fourth line in hockey. I mean, the Aston Reese Blue Gertanov line blows away Matt Martin, Casey Sezikis, and Cal Clutterbuck. It is not even close, in my opinion. And, you know, speaking of Matt Martin, um, he's just a freaking loser. I don't really know how other any other way to say it. Um, just cross-checking Brandon Tanev while he's down on the ice after uh, Tanev accidentally crashed into Semyon Varlamov. He was just making a hustle play with the puck, trying to poke it through his five-hole. It's not his fault that he crashed into Varlamov. He was just trying to make a play. Thankfully, Varlamov is okay, but it's like, really, Matt Martin, d does he really need to cross-check Brandon Tanev on his back after he's a bit shaken up? I also loved what Brandon Tanev said to him afterwards. Um, if you did not see the clip, I will repeat it here. Um, note, this is some not-so-friendly language. He said, you fucking coward, shut the fuck up. Who do you think you are? Um, just absolute incredible stuff from Brandon Tanev. Um, I could not like him more, even if I tried. So Tanev continues to be the gift that keeps on giving. You also saw Kyle Clutterbuck trying to mix it up last night. And we, we all know what his purpose is in the Islanders lineup. But both of them are just not good players. And they're in the lineup for obvious reasons. But yeah, give me the Penguins fourth line over the Islanders fourth line any day of the week. Also great to see Brian Jumlin come out of that game unscathed. I mean, he was banged up a couple times in that game. I have no idea how he returned after what Pajot did to him. It wasn't like a dirty play with what Pajot did. I thought it was unnecessary. I think it could have been a two-minute penalty maybe for interference. And I get it. You know, hockey is a very violent sport. I'm not here to say what, what Pajot did was intentional or really dirty or malicious. It was just, I think, a completely unnecessary play. The puck already left his stick, and he's just like almost slamming him into the boards in his back and head hit the boards pretty hard. I'm surprised that Dumoulin didn't have a concussion after that. And what a game Dumoulin had overall. You saw him killing that penalty late in the game with a buck 28 left. He was just getting to every loose puck. Great in the offensive, offensive zone, excuse me, as well. And when he's on like this, um, this team is very hard to beat. You can, you just can't underestimate how important he is to this team's success. As he also is the perfect complement to Crystal Tang, who I also thought enjoyed another great game last night. And before we do get to our next commercial break, I thought Cody CC again was magnificent last night. Had a couple really good high-quality scoring chances that were saved by Marvar Lamov. I thought Kapanen could have had a couple goals last night. He was robbed point-blank, I think, with around three to four minutes left with a great uh, pad save when Kapanen was trying to go um, blocker side on him. And I'll also say this. I thought Mike Matheson enjoyed a big bounce-back game. He just basically did a complete 180 from what he was in Game 1 where he's handling the puck like a grenade during that game. But last night, I thought he was much better in all three zones and really contributed to the offensive rush every time he was out there. But those are my main thoughts for this big game to win for the Penguins. Coming up in the next segment, we will get to a few listener takeaways. I have not done that segment, I think, in a couple weeks. But before we do that, it's time to talk about BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or phone and check out all the great sporting news. Sign up bonuses and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your phone to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit that has BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts with the promo code LOCKEDON. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at 
LO underscore Penguins. I also want to thank everyone who gave me their feedback on when I should post the episode, whether it would be after the game or on the next day. I decided I was a bit too tired last night, especially after we recorded my Locked On Now video. I was honestly still sweating after that game for an hour just because of how much I was pacing and just like, you know, I think my heart almost came out of my chest with how that game was going. You know, it was full on clenched butt cheek season, as I'm sure it was for a lot of you that listened to this podcast as well. But let's get to some listener takeaways. Iris AJ says the power play needs Gino. Yes, I 100% agree with that. Um, I'm not really sure when Gino is going to come back, though. If you did not see this, Brian Burke went on Sportsnet and said they expect Gino to be back in the next game or two. So potentially game three, if not then game four. AJ says also getting Gino back puts Carter's line down to play against other third lines. Offense should take off even more. 100% agree with that. Uh, it'll just cause even more matchup problems for the Islanders and Jari. Yes, the chef's kiss. Yes, he was lights out. Fry time says great third. Could have put a couple on the board. Great kill at the end to pick up um, Rusty. Yes, Brian Rust. I did forget to mention that in the first two segments. I have no idea what the fuck he was doing there. That was a, a brain-dead moment by one of the smartest players on the team. You usually do not see him make a stupid play like that virtually any time. I even tweeted about this, actually. you know, It almost looked as bad as the three delay of game penalties from Game 6 of 2016 against the Capitals. Um, that could have ended very badly for the Penguins. And, you know, imagine what Pittsburgh sports talk and everyone will be saying today if that cost them the game, if it would have happened. Um, it would have been uh, hashtag not great Bob uh, if that would have happened. But Miss Nodal says, one thing for sure is New York isn't going to hand it to the Penguins. Yes, I, I do want to thank you for bringing this up, Mr. Nodal. I really appreciate this. I've seen a lot of people on Penguins Twitter, I've been listening to Pittsburgh Sports Talk Radio and stuff saying, oh yeah, man, this is going to be an easy series. You know, Penguins are just going to steamroll them in five. I don't know where that kind of talk came from, but this was never going to be the case. The Islanders are not just going to roll over and die. This is a team, like I said earlier, they went to the conference finals last season. They were two wins away from going to the Stanley Cup final. This is a very well-coached team. They're one of the best defensive teams in the league. If you want to beat the Islanders four out of seven times, and I still think the Penguins will do that, these are the kind of games that you're going to have to beat them at. They out-Islandered the Islanders last night. That is how you have to beat them. You maybe obviously want um, more insurance goals for your goaltender so you don't have to hope that he makes every single save in a one-goal game. But again, a lot of these games are going to boil down to can the Penguins protect one-goal leads? And they passed that first test last night after failing it in Game 1. So we're going to have to see if that continues for a couple more games in this series. And as you point out, Mr. Nodal, it is going to be a goaltending series. Yes, Varlamov gave up that Jari-like goal. Or, yeah, we could have kept playing well into the night. And, yes, I do think they need to figure out playing for a full 60 minutes. They played for, I'd say, 40 of those 60 minutes last night, as they kind of did um, in Game 1. Though I'd also argue that they played for um, 57 of almost those 80 minutes in that game because I, obviously the Islanders thought were the better team in the second period in game one. Big Red says they didn't control the entire game, but they but they control plenty of it. It almost seems like they're just warming up. I really love the physicality from every one of the players, and the fourth line was the best I've ever seen it do. Had such a visible impact both literally and for momentum. Yeah, the fourth line is dominating competition every time they go out there. Um, again, another great tweet from Danny Shirey Irving of Penn's blog. Um, when Brandon Tanev is on the ice, um, the 5v5 expected goal share with him on there is 77%. So he has just been a relevation on that line with Aston Reese and Bluger, and his return has just been um, so crucial 
for this team. But yeah, it almost seems like they are kind of warming up in this series. Once they get that 60-minute effort, hopefully it's on Thursday at the Coliseum, um, they'll really be cooking there. Penn67 says, love the intensity of playoff hockey. And yes, I still got nervous every shot the Islanders took. I mean, I, I did too until I kind of saw Jari getting into the mood. PK at the end of the game was probably the best all year. Yes, that was an outstanding penalty kill. I know the Islanders do not have the greatest penalty kill. Oh, the greatest penalty kill. Greatest power play. Um, Excuse me. Um, I think it's like in the bottom third of the league. But the Penguins PK really didn't allow much on Tristan Jari during that last buck 28. And Fiona says, who is the real chaos coordinator now? Is it Mike Matheson or is it Brandon Tanev? Um, Fiona, as I tweeted you, I think it's the latter now. Uh, Brandon Tanev is the full chaos player um, as Matheson really got back to on his game last night and then finally from Allen to Yoder great crowd tonight great game I would have preferred to see the star players steal the show not the refs but tied series and hopefully I can be back Monday for game five yes you did send me that video thank you so much for that Allen it definitely looked like the crowd was very into it as I said earlier on in the episode and yeah the officiating in that game was pretty dog shit um, especially in that first period the Islanders got away with quite a few infractions that were just flat out not called it's playoff officiating um, I'll never understand why they decided to call all the penalties in some playoff games but then in other playoff games they just like to swallow the, their whistles so if we can just get some consistency in there hint hint probably won't happen um, that would be awesome. And finally, I did ask a question this morning. How are we feeling about the series now? Thomas Nevitt says, feeling better, a much better performance from the Penguins last night. It's game on now, and Allen agreed. Penns need to keep the same energy in periods uh, two and three that they've showed in the first. Last night's third period kind of felt like the first to me, but still I think the energy needs to be there, more Penguins in six. So, yes, great to see everyone feeling much better about the team. That was a game that the Penguins needed to have. They got it, and now the Penguins are right back in it as this series shifts to New York. Um, I'll have another episode coming for you all tomorrow, either before the game or right after. And remember, Game 3, the start time is different tomorrow. It will be a 7 p.m. start time, not 7.30. And then Game 4 on Saturday at the Coliseum will be at 3 p.m. Eastern on NBC. And I believe for NBCSN tomorrow, it'll be John Forslund and Pierre Maguire calling the game again for that network. But hope you all enjoy listening to this one. Again, I will be back tomorrow with another episode. And we'll see if the Penguins can potentially take a 2-1 to series lead as they have gotten back into this series. But that'll do it for this one. Hope you all had fun listening to it and we'll do another one of these tomorrow.